0: see beautiful all righty we're ready uh if i haven't met you my name's Curtin. i'm one of the am oh, one of the pastors of this church we've got another couple that come down occasionally um this term we're going to be looking at ephesians um today we're actually not just doing ephesians we're not starting off ephesians they are up at wild street uh, the purpose of that is the last term it didn't work we had the preacher who was preaching here had to jet off by the end of the service and you never hang around to actually have a conversation with anyone and so they're we've, we've, out of sync now, so we're going to be a week behind Wild Street. And so by the time they get to preaching down here, they actually should be preaching good sermons. That's, <laughs> that's, that's, the, that's the benefit of being second. Uh, today, I'm just doing a one-off filler uh, on Union with Christ, which is a big theme that features through Ephesians. Uh, so it's just more of a topical talk get, to get us thinking about something that teach, the Bible teaches about how we're saved, um, because it features heavily through the book of Ephesians. So why don't I pray, and then we'll look at what God has to say. Father God, we praise you and thank you for this chance this morning to spend time uh, meditating, thinking, being impacted and changed by what you say about reality. And so we ask Holy Spirit amongst us now to help us understand what you're saying. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, if you've gone out to a coffee shop with me, you'll know that when it comes time to ordering, I don't order a coffee because I can't. I have uh, sometimes... I have a peppermint tea. Uh, I have all sorts of wonderful, you know, herbal varieties. Uh, but I can't have caffeine. The reason is, uh, well, I, well, I could get t- say it to you two ways. I could either tell you that I have a uh, kind of a sensitivity to caffeine. That's one way I could say it. Or I could tell you, give you a metaphor of what it's like for me. When I have coffee, it's like there's a hamster wheel in my brain, okay? And when I'm thinking the hamster wheel is going around really, really fast, when I have coffee, I'm not really thinking about anything, and the hamster wheel is flying. You know that hamster's just spunning to the outside. Centrifugal force has pushed it to the outside. It's going so fast. It's it's a picture to describe what it is like going on in my head in that time. Um, and and we do that, don't we? The pictures or metaphors or similes can be powerful ways of helping us understand concepts, understand ideas, what our experiences. Uh, I was talking to one of my children quite a while back, and he was talking about what it was like for him uh, when he has that moment of being impulsive, where he just impulsively does things. And he just said, It's like there's a race in my head going on, and the bad thought just pushes its way out to the front, and I end up doing what I shouldn't be doing. It's the, it's the power of an image, it's a metaphor. Uh, and if you've been in the church for any period of time, if you've heard any Bible teaching before, if you've read any parts of the Bible, you'll know that there are tons of metaphors in the Bible, tons of similes, tons of pictures. And often we use these pictures to describe what it means for Jesus to come and save us. Um, And so, for instance, you might have heard one where it's this picture of you're out in the ocean and you're drowning and then this helicopter comes to pick you up and take you back. It's this picture of rescue, this idea Jesus has come to rescue when you are helpless and stranded. Or, or the idea of you're in a burning house, you're in a burning house, you don't even know it, and the fireman comes in and comes in and pulls you out. This picture of Jesus coming and saving you from a burning building. There, 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 these metaphor there's these pictures of what Jesus has done. Now this morning we're going to zero in on what, is, what what is one of the more significant dominant metaphors or pictures of what Jesus does to save us. And that is we are saved by being united to Christ. We are, being, we are saved by being united to Christ. And so the Bible says it a whole bunch of different ways. It doesn't just say one way. Here's uh, up on the slide. I'll try to put this together. Um, it, it uses the phrase like we are saved into Christ, in him, in Christ, with him, Christ in you, Christ in us, with Christ. And then it has the idea, Jesus talks about the, the vine and the branches, that he, he is the vine and we are the branches. Uh, the fact that we are part of His body, we're part of Jesus' body, we're united to Him in His body. That Jesus is uh, that the church is a temple, and Jesus is the chief cornerstone. We're connected in together. Um, they're all different ways of uh, of talking about us being united to Christ. There are all these different metaphors, these different pictures of what that means. And so, theologians over the years, as they've read through the Bible's teachings and tried to summarize what it says. They've called this the doctrine of union with Christ. And so what we're going to do today is we're going to think about it. I'm going to show you uh, what it's about because it's kind of a key theme that runs through the book of Ephesians. And so I'm going to do it pretty simply. Firstly, I'm going to talk about how it works. How does it work? And then secondly, um, uh, what does it mean for us? How does it change us? And so firstly, how does it work? How does it work? How does union with Christ work? Uh, Ephesians 1 and 2 which we're going to be looking at over the next couple of weeks, uh, you see this idea of being in Christ or with Christ consistently right through. So I'm going to skim through a whole bunch of verses up on the screen and, and the orange little writing is going to show you all the in him, in Christ different sections. So Ephesians chapter 1, it says, he says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, to the saints who are in Ephesus who are faithful in Christ Jesus. Verse 3, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. Verse 7, in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses. Verse 9, making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ, as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. Verse 11, in him we have obtained an inheritance. Verse 13, in him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation and believed in him, was sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. Click over to Ephesians chapter 2, uh, verse 4, but God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we're dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and has seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. Verse 10, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Now, there's lots and lots of things that I said in between the in hymns and the on with hymns. But all of this, what's been spoken about in Ephesians 1 and 2 are the blessings that we have by being saved by Jesus. And what I needed you to see right through that section is that they come in him. They come in him, united to him. Well, what does that mean? Well, the kids talk demonstrated it very, very clearly. It's the idea you can't get to Perth by being outside the aeroplane, you've got to be inside the aeroplane, so that whatever is true of the aeroplane is true of you. If the aeroplane goes to Perth, then you go to Perth. Oh, that's right. We didn't. Get... The original kids' talk said Perth, and she changed it to New Zealand. I still had that in my head. Uh, so you get this idea, the idea that we have to be united by faith in Jesus. So when a person puts their trust in the Lord Jesus, they turn from living their own way. They put their trust in Jesus. They are united in a trust relationship with Jesus. They are united with Peter's Jesus' person so that what is true of Jesus is true of you. Now, as soon as I talk about union with Christ as this key way that we talk about being saved, we've got to recognise it's not the only way. There's a whole bunch of other ways, the ways the Bible talks about. And so the question is, what's the relationship between union with Christ, being united with him, and all the other ways the Bible speaks? For instance, what about adoption? That is, when we put our trust in Christ, we become his kids. What about justification? That through Jesus' death on the cross, we are declared innocent in the sight of God. So you've got like a family metaphor, you've got a legal metaphor. What about, thirdly, sanctification? Another big word, that is that through, uh, through Jesus' death for us, we are washed clean of our sins. Uh, what about regeneration? That God has by his Holy Spirit made us who were dead in our sins alive as his new kids. So you have adoption, you have regeneration, you have justification. So there are all these different pictures aren't they these different metaphors for what Jesus has done. What how do they relate to in Christ? Well you, you probably didn't notice but as you read through Ephesians chapter 1 and 2 you'll see that each of those blessings of being adopted, of being regenerated, of being justified, of being sanctified, of being forgiven, of being reconciled are all come to us as a consequence of being in Christ. Okay, so in Ephesians 1, it says you you have obtained an inheritance. That is, you are God's child and you will one day inherit the new creation. How does that come about? It says in Ephesians 1, in him. It says in Ephesians 1, in him, you have every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms. It says in him, you were redeemed. It says in him, you heard the word of truth and you received the Holy Spirit. 2 Corinthians 5 says we are justified in him. Listen to this. It says, for our sake, he made him, that's Jesus, to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him, through faith, union with Jesus, we might become the righteousness of God, that we might be declared righteous in God's sight. So our justification comes through our union with Jesus. We are sanctified in him. 1 Corinthians 1 says, and because of him, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God righteousness and sanctification and redemption sanctification redemption uh, uh, righteousness comes united to jesus all the blessings of jesus come through our faith union with jesus and so the ultimate book on this is written by a bloke called con campbell and he goes through all the parts of the new testament that speak about that phrase of being in christ and he goes through all the you're not gonna you're never gonna read it I, I hardly read it i read the last couple of chapters because the first couple of chapters were all looking at the greek text and i, I, I just couldn't get my head around it i don't know my greek has all been left behind um and so what he says towards the end of the book in his conclusion which is a really good bit uh is he describes uh that uh the doctrine of union in christ is like the web it's like a spider's web um, and, and that all the other blessings of being in Christ, of being adopted as child, as being righteous, as being forgiven, of being sanctified, of being reconciled, of, uh, of regeneration, all, all, all become a part of the web and they're held together by this idea of being in Christ. You get it? So through our trust in Jesus, we are united to him by faith and all the blessings that were Jesus' Become ours, we are righteous, we are sanctified, we become children of God. Now, what does that mean for us? That's kind of how it works. We put our trust in Jesus, we receive the benefits of God by being in Christ in relationship with Jesus. What does it mean for us? How does it change us? I've got four things this morning. Firstly, it changes our identity, it changes our identity. All right, so listen to this, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. It says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. And then Galatians 2.20, the Apostle Paul says this, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. All right, so Paul 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 is saying here in 2 Corinthians and Galatians is when, when we put our faith in Jesus Christ, we're united to Jesus. So much so that he says in verse 20 there, I have been crucified with Christ so when he put his faith in Christ, he was united to the person of Jesus. So when Jesus was crucified, he was crucified with Jesus in a sense. And then, as a and just as Jesus died and then rose again, so Paul, united to Jesus, died to his old life of sin, rejecting God, was united to Jesus in his death and resurrection. So that now, as Jesus is a new, he he has the resurrection life. He lives So Paul is united to Jesus and is a new creation. He says the old is gone, the new is now. And so, yes, when you become a Christian, you still remain a person. I didn't suddenly, my body didn't, I mean, I've got a great looking body, but anyway. (laughs) I didn't when I got saved, but um, I didn't get transformed in a moment to go from this old creation body to this new creation body. I still remained in the body, but the actual essence of who I am is now united to Jesus and I am a new creation in Christ Jesus. That happened when I was 20 years old. At the deepest level of who I am, I now am, am God's child. I'm now a new creation in Christ. I have a new identity. Now, this is, this is really, really important because we have so many different identities in our life, don't we? Uh, some of us are parents some of it, I'm a pastor, um, I'm, and I'm a Sharky's fan. Anna will tell you if, I, if she's walked into it, I'm a Sharky's fan. I'm a tall person. Uh, I'm someone Parkinson's. I've got all these different identities, and you do too. You have all these different identities. But each of those things are only aspects of who I am. At the most fundamental level of who I am as a human being right now is that I'm a new creation in Christ, I share the identity of Jesus. And that's that's incredibly powerful because what happens where we go wrong in life is when we start to build our identity on something other than that. So for instance, if you attempt to build your foundational identity, so I'll speak about myself. If I try to build my foundational identity on about who I am as being a pastor, all right, that's my core identity. I'm a pastor. And then everything else is periphery then when i'm going well uh, when i'm preaching well when i'm you know pastoring up a storm and everyone's you know blessed by my conversations with them and i'm praying with them and and i've got all this integrity because i'm saying what i'm going to do i'm doing what i'm saying and all these different things then i'm top of the world (laughs) i'm kicking goals because my identity is a pastor i'm fulfilling my role and i'm performing well but as soon as i start to struggle as soon as my, uh, my preaching just goes flat and I feel like I really can't even put words on a page or say words on a Sunday, as soon as I have conversations with people and it gets really, really hard, then I start to feel like a failure. I start to think, well, if this is who I am and I can't even do that, then who am I? But if my core identity is not pastor, is not father, is not husband, but united a, a person, a new creation in Christ Jesus. And that that identity is not based on my performance. It's a gift to me that, I, that, that has been given to me. It's not based on my performance then whether I'm a good pastor or a bad pastor, whether I'm a good father or a bad father, whether I'm a good husband, whether I'm having a bad day or a good day, my core identity remains solid. I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus. And so I'm not completely destroyed. I'm not completely destroyed. You see how it doesn't work? It doesn't work when you try to put base your core identity on something which is based on performance. It's always going to fail. Being in Christ is not based in performance. And so I'm set free. Being saved in Christ gives us a new identity. Second, it, it gives us a new position. It gives us a new position. Uh, Growing up, I wanted to, I was desperate to excel in sport. And so it didn't matter what sport it was, I wanted to excel. And so first it was soccer, then it was tennis. I was going to do Wimbledon one day. Athletics, I wanted to be age champion. I was going to play NRL rugby league one day and win the grand final. Made a $50 bet with my sister about it um didn't actually we ended up tearing up the contract or actually she tore it up because she thought i had a chance that was the funny bit <laughs> um she went into the company and tore it up she thought oh, what if he does um i was going to be an MBA superstar i wanted to excel i wanted to get ahead i wanted a position above other people so we all kind of want positions in our life. We want places in our life. It might not be to be an excelling sports, but whatever winning looks like in your domain, whatever you think is to excel in life, we all want to excel. We all want to get ahead. Ephesians 2 says that when we are united to Christ, we have an ultimate position. We've excelled beyond what we could ever imagine. So Ephesians 2, chapter 4, sorry, Ephesians chapter 2, Verse 4 says, but God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. You see that? We were united with Christ. We died with Christ. And then we're raised up with Christ because we're united to him and we're seated with him, Paul says, in the heavenly places. So through our faith union with Jesus, we now, although we sit here on this earth and we sit in our church, we're in our bodies and and most of us are in these broken bodies, there is a genuine sense in which our, our person is ascended into heaven with Christ. We are positioned with him. We have the ultimate position. And so we don't therefore now need to run around our whole lives trying to get the ultimate position over other people, trying to excel to the ultimate in career or leisure or finances. When you recognise in Christ you have that ultimate position of seated with Christ in the heavenly realms, which you haven't fully experienced now, but when he returns you will fully experience then you don't have to strive after those things anymore. Now, does it mean you try to be good at work? Does it mean you try to excel as a father? Does it mean you try to excel as a husband or a wife? Yes, but not in order to be on the top, not in order to jostle to get that position, not just, but to, not to, for it to be about you looking down on others and feeling good about yourself. No, you do it to honour him, to thank him, For the position he's given you, to honor him with everything we have, everything he's given us to make him famous. And so, being saved in Christ gives us a new identity, it gives us a new position. So, we don't have to strive after ultimate identity for ourselves or ultimate position ourselves. Third, being saved in Christ gives us a new family. Uh, Jesus here is speaking to his disciples the night before he dies. And he speaks to them about the Holy Spirit who is coming. And he says this, verse 14, uh, chapter 14, verse 18. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Yet a little while and the world will see me no more, but you will see me. Because I live in you, you will also live. In that day, you will know that I am in my Father and you are in me and I am in you. And so this is Jesus speaking about the whole idea of union with Christ or union with him before he dies. Many of you will know that um, uh, the God of the Bible is not one lonely old God in the sky. He's made up of three persons, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And so Jesus is God the Son become man. And so Jesus is describing here in John's Gospel his unique relationship with God the Father from before the beginning of the world, God the Father and God the Son existed in this relationship, this community within God himself. And he's saying... God the Father sent Jesus in the world that we, human beings, through trust in him, would be united to God. We'd be kind of caught up in the relational unity of the Father and the Son. Now, that doesn't mean we become God. It's not that God the Father and God the Son have said, hey, we're we going to make these guys gods, god's, gods as well. No, that we've been brought into the relationship of God. We don't become God. It's as if the arms of God in Jesus, through trust in Jesus, have wrapped themselves around us and brought us in to his family. So God has saved us to be in one of the most intimate relationships that exists, you know, the relationship of God himself. We're adopted as kids in the same way that Jesus is God's son. Now, I, I, think, um, I think we all need a good dose of that truth. Um, Often when we are living our Christian lives, we feel very alone in the battle. We feel very alone. We, 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 have, uh, we struggle to feel like we're a part of anything bigger than ourselves. We, we have these little lockdown walls that we feel like we're doing our Christian thing ourselves and we're isolated. But when you put your trust in Jesus, you didn't just get a pass to heaven one day. When you put your trust in Jesus, you are united with Jesus so that Jesus is always with you, the Holy Spirit is with you, but not only that, you have become a part of a family so that you have genuine brothers and sisters in Christ. See, it's crazy. I remember years ago when i travelled around the world, we would go to churches in the most, you know, places I'd never been before. I would rock up in this church and I'd start chatting to someone And it was incredible how we already had an instant connection because we were both brothers and sisters in Christ and never met this person before. But we both had a shared experience of being in relationship with King Jesus and being a part of his family. Friends, when you put your trust in Christ, when you unite in Christ, you get a new family. You're part of something much bigger. All right, So you get a new identity. Uh, you get a new, remind me, position, nice. You get a new family, identity, family, position, and thirdly, a new future, a new future. Uh, I've hit 40, I'm forty. going to hit 45 this year, 45 years old. And one of the things I've started to do is consider, uh, consider the long-term effects of my Parkinson's. And so as a consequence of that, it makes you think about the future more than ever. Uh, I think like 20, 15 years ago, I didn't really think about the future because I was kind of thinking, you know, it was, it's just too far away. But now all of a sudden, I'm thinking about the future. I'm thinking about how I'm going to survive financially and what am I going to do for this and where are we going to retire? And We got me and go on holidays and we start thinking how, which caravan park do we want to live in and how close do we want to be to the beach? And, and often when I start thinking about the future, uh, sometimes it's exciting, but sometimes it descends into fear. Fear of the future what's going to happen paul says in ephesians 1 he says verse 13 in him you also when you heard the word of truth the gospel of your salvation and believed in him were sealed with the promised holy spirit who was the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory paul says if you have trusted in christ and you have received God's Holy Spirit, and that Holy Spirit is a guarantee of your eternal future in the new creation. It's like a, down, it's like a deposit of, of what you will one day receive when Jesus returns and you see him face to face. And so when I put my trust in Christ, my retirement plan doesn't just start when I'm 55 or 60 or 65. I have an inheritance in the new creation. And so will they have enough super? The most crucial question is answered. I am going to be with Jesus forever. Being saved in Christ gives you a new future. If you've trusted in him, it changes who you are. You have a new identity. It changes your, where you stand in life, it, your position, You are seated with him in the heavenly realms. It changes who you are with, who you belong to. You are a part of a family. You have been embraced into the family of God and it changes your future. You are guaranteed to inherit the new creation. But this morning, if you have not trusted Jesus, then you're not in him. You're not in him. And so what you are most likely doing, well, what you intend what, what you have to be doing right now as a consequence of that is you're fighting to establish your own identity apart from the one given to you by God. And and, and it's hard. And it's hard. You're fighting to get your position in life so that you don't end up down the bottom. You're, you're fighting to create your own network of people. You're fighting for your own future to make sure that you create heaven on earth. And so the question I want to ask you this morning is the question Dr. Phil asks all the people who come on to his show and is, does anyone know it? He says, how's that working for you? I can't do his accent, but how is that working for you? If If you're not in Christ, how is that working for you? So the truth is you were never meant to establish those things apart from God. You were never meant to, and that's why they always fail. They were, that's why they, always they get busted. Only in Christ can you have a firm identity, a firm future, recognize your position, an exalted position, and know that you're a part of his family. So if this morning, if you have not put your trust in Christ, Please come and chat to me about the significance of that and how you can find out more. But if you are in Christ, then praise him. You know, Ephesians 1 and 2, you're going to see next week, it, it all says to the praise of his glory, to the praise of his glory, to the praise of All these things that we have in Christ are not so we can sit down and go, oh, isn't a lovely being me. It's all about praising him. It's all about being in awe of what he has done for us, that he has brought us in and given us a new identity, a new future. That he's trained, changed our reality and made us a part of his family and exalted us to put us with Christ. So let me praise him now. Father God, it's, it's, just, it's just crazy what you've done for us. It's crazy. We did not deserve it. Ephesians 2 says very clearly we were dead in our sins. That is, we were spiritually unable to do anything to restore our relationship with you. And yet you sent your very son to die in our place that we might, through trust in him, be united to him, be raised with him and ascend with him spiritually into the heavenly places so that one day we might, heaven might come down to earth and we might experience those full blessings that we have now already in Christ. Father, help us to praise you for it. Help, help us to be in awe of it, help us to enjoy a relationship with you as a consequence of it, knowing that you're with us all the time. Father, and for those here this morning who have not put their trust in you, who are still considering it, Father, help them to see the reality of not taking what you say seriously and not entering in and finding you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.